This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. you of two things. One, I am going to be, in all likelihood, much more cranky for this program than I generally am, uh, at least for the first couple of hours. And the reason being has to go with the second thing that I'm going to warn you about. It is, when I stepped out of my house, even though I had regular, you know, regular shoes on, I didn't have boots, shame on me. When I stepped out of my house onto the sidewalk, my feet got soaked. In my area, there are there's just flooding all over the place and ponding all over the place. And when you step into this uh, to anywhere, your feet get wet. And maybe there is some saint of a man who somewhere is able to not be bothered by his shoes being wet and his feet being wet. That's not me. I, I find few things more irksome than walking around with wet shoes and feet. And I don't have a, a backup pair here. Maybe I should keep a pair here. So that's uh, that's the first warning. And the second warning is if you're heading out for the morning or the evening, if you're leaving the house, if you're listening to me and you haven't left yet and you're listening live and you're living in an area with a lot of flooding or really anywhere that they're seeing the Noah's Ark that's outside right now. When I drove in, there were animals pairing up two at a time. Um, Bring a pair of boots. If you have a pair of boots, either bring something to change into or if you want to avoid that wet feeling entirely, at the very least just, uh, you know, at the very least just... Put them on before you leave. Now, we're going to talk with uh, Lloyd Lindsay Young in a minute and get an idea of how bad this weather is supposed to be, both in New York and around the country. Because whether it's Tennessee or Missouri or elsewhere, there's been some weird weather uh, all over the place, and there is still more weird weather to come. Now, I, last week, talked about what a joke I thought it was, speaking of weather, that the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, a major oil-producing country, one of the biggest oil-producing countries in the world, that they were hosting the uh, COP28 climate summit. I, I mean, I think it's great to do something to address climate change, and it's great to discuss it, and it's great to hear different countries, what they're doing. But for the UAE... To be hosting this, this is like Al Capone hosting a seminar on tax preparedness. I mean, this is so silly. They're not part of the problem. They are the problem. I mean, how often do you always hear about uh, people when there's international agreements negotiated and so forth? You always hear people say, well, why don't they make China do it? Why don't they make India do it? Well, this is a perfect example. The UAE is getting filthy rich with people's continued dependence on oil and fossil fuels in general. So they're the ones that are hosting this summit to basically wag their finger 
to the rest of the world. Well, there was someone else who made a similar point. In fact, he brought a new element to this and a new angle to this than what I had heard previously. And he is someone that has been for decades, literally, incredibly associated with climate change issues and climate-related issues. That person is Al Gore. Al Gore was on CNN State of the Union on Sunday, and I find myself agreeing with just about everything he said. This is uh, Al Gore yesterday on the UAE hosting this climate summit. Well, it's kind of ridiculous. It should not be, uh, although it's not so much uh, that it's in a country that produces oil. It's the appointment of the CEO of one of the biggest and least responsible oil companies on the planet to be the head of the conference. So he brought up the fact that not only is the UAE hosting it, but then they put in charge an oil man. Nothing against oil men. You know, I drive a gas-powered combustion engine. But, I mean, how do you have any credibility lecturing the rest of the world, at least all of the world's industrialized country, cut your oil emissions, cut your oil emissions, when the country and the person that are hosting this summit and doing that finger-wagging are benefiting from the status quo. To me, it just is so silly. And, again, they call this greenwashing. Everybody wants that UAE money, so they go along. They go along, they participate in the climate summit, and uh, they don't judge the UAE for everything they're doing. Well, I'm not getting any UAE money, so I am happy to criticize the UAE as the improper host for this uh, summit. And clearly, I agree with Gore's point that that's an improper messenger. If you have comments, I will take them. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Now, what do most people know about Al Gore? They know he's an environmental activist. They know that he was the vice president. And most people know that he was the Democratic nominee for president. Well, there was another Democratic nominee for president that spoke at this conference, COP28, that made some headlines, and this is kind of silly, and maybe it's juvenile for me to play this, but uh, whatever, it's radio, we like to have fun, we're coming out of the weekend, hopefully some of you had fun on the weekend, so I'm going to play it anyway. So John F. Kerry is the, is the climate envoy, that's his title, appointed by President Biden, and he was going on about what he was talking about, and then it appears... It appears, I'm going to let you hear this audio, but it appears like he was interrupted, sort of, by the very distinct audible sound of passing gas happened. Now, we don't know if it was him, but, you know, he's linked up to that microphone. It's very possible. And a fellow panelist, he was speaking on a panel, shielded her nose because apparently it smelled pretty bad. So he was talking about nations that refuse to shut down all their coal plants when, of course, he knows perfectly well that China is still new building two new coal plants per week. But um, they nod politely. He goes on and on. All right. Here's uh, John F. Kerry while he is uh, telling the United States to shut down their coal plants while China can't get enough of coal and passing very apropos at a discussion of climate emissions, gas. Here's John F. Kerry. 
how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. Mm. And, and the reality is that... I actually, you know, so you hear it a little there because people start clapping and you hear him talking over it, but it's it's right. Those things that are killing people on a daily basis. And right and there. the reality is that. Now, could have been something else, but I think the combination of that sound plus the fact that another panelist was visibly shielding her nose it does look, and look, look, we're all human. I, I don't know of a person that hasn't been in this position, right? Sometimes you think you can, uh, I hate to be pejorative here, but you think you can squeeze one out silently. And that's the thing with passing gas. Sometimes there's not much of a scent or an odor. Other times it could be very offensive. So maybe John F. Kerry thought that he was going to be able to slip one out and that it was going to not be a smelly one, maybe. and Or maybe the sound is due to something else. Basis. Um, and, and the reality is You'd be the judge. 800-848-9222. You know, I remember there was um, a, a DVD, it's called Mind Meld, that I have, actually, that uh, William Shatner did with Leonard Nimoy. And there was one scene where people said that one of them had passed gas, but it turned out... Not to be the case. It turned out there was an alternative explanation. Maybe there is, but you be the judge. Speaking of weather, it is rough in New York. It's certainly rough in Tennessee. There is nobody that knows weather more than Lloyd Lindsay Young. Uh, he is someone that uh, has been an icon on two coasts. He is someone who's Energy and intellect, I wish I had a fraction of. The man is one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. He should be in every broadcasting hall of fame there is. And any audience that gets to hear him is uh, certainly incredibly lucky to do so. But not as lucky as we are because he's kind enough to join us on the radio from time to time. Very pleased to be joined by legendary TV and radio weatherman Lloyd Lindsay Young. Hello, Lloyd. Hello, Frank. Boy, have we got, we have action. Oh, do we have action happening in the Northeast. Thank you for having me on again, Frank. It is a privilege and an honor. All right, here's what's going on. The same storm that created hellish devastation in the Middle Tennessee is now creeping up the Northeast coast. So before we get to Tennessee, let me tell you this. We have high wind warnings in effect and coastal flood warnings for all of Long Island, particularly the eastern portion, southern Connecticut, on up into Rhode Island, including the city of Boston. And I'll tell you what, winds will be gusting overnight in the next few hours through the morning drive in those areas up to 65 to 75 miles an hour. Now, what about airport travel? Frank, I guarantee you later today, there will be major delays at Kennedy International, Newark International, and LaGuardia. And for that matter, also Logan Field up in Boston. As far as Amtrak service is concerned, probable but not definite unless there's severe flooding on the tracks. Now, rainfall rates are already pretty incredible. Some areas south of New York City, Frank, are reporting up to two to three inches of rain in an hour to an hour and a half. So that's why we have flash flood warnings in effect for portions of Connecticut, the eastern half of Long Island. As far as New York City is concerned, at least three inches of rain. That would also include northern New Jersey. 
And on top of that, Frank, yes, there's no business like snow business. Orange County, Putnam County, upstate New York, heavy snow, but not particular in the city. Maybe a brief spit of snow later this morning. So it's not a snow story for the tri-state area. Basically, with the exception of the northern suburbs, it's mainly rain, wind, and very, very possible severe flooding. Frank, any questions at this point? I want to talk to you a little bit about the tragedy that happened down around Nashville. Yeah, no, we want to, and I know a lot of our uh, listeners in Tennessee are eager to hear about that. I am too. Just on, on the New York front, though, um, some people like the rain as an excuse to stay indoors and get stuff done, maybe watch a movie, maybe do some reading. I kind of do from time to time. But it's a, a real bummer if you have to go out and run errands and do things. When, much like uh, Kevin Costner in Waterworld looking for the dry land, when are things going to be totally done? When are things going to be dried out? I think there's a pretty good chance by late Monday night or tonight, let's say after, well, certainly after the afternoon rush, even the afternoon rush isn't going to be that bad. The worst of it will be open, will be over with, I should say, by 1 p.m. today, Monday. The worst of it over by 1 o'clock. But once again, I want to reiterate, the airports are going to be messed up big time. I'm talking to three major airports in the tri-state area. Mm. I guarantee you, Frank, there's going to be horrendous delays and cancellations including Philadelphia, too, and heading north, the uh, Logan Field up in Boston. So that's a major concern for travelers. As far as driving is concerned, definitely you'll have to allow plenty of time for your Monday morning commute. It's going to be a the land of broken taillights, to say the least. It's going to be a mess. Uh, I think most of the roadways will remain open. However, there will be spots where there will be pretty severe flash flooding. This is really serious, and considering it's not really officially winter yet, Frank. So it, it's bad stuff. Oh, I mean, it sounds it sounds rough. All right, uh, let's talk uh, Tennessee. Uh, we're very proud to be on the radio in Nashville on uh, WUCT, but uh, a lot of people outside that area may not have followed what's gone on there. Bring us up to speed. What have they seen out there in Tennessee? Well, uh, tragically, there were six fatalities. Mm. The worst was Cross, uh, Crossville, Tennessee, but also in the metropolitan Nashville area, not right downtown at the Grand Old Opry, but in some of the southern and eastern suburbs, homes were demolished. They're literally not standing anymore as, uh, well, this terrible uh, cold front moved through the area. And it's a little unusual this late in the season to have a severe tornado in Tennessee. But basically, to the southwest of downtown Nashville is where it hit the hardest. There were stories, people were ordered to, to take cover. Fortunately, a lot of people ran into their storm cellars. But when I looked at the video on network television earlier Sunday, it was really shocking because some of these areas were just left in splinterines. So you might wonder, Frank, what in the world is going on? And I have to bring this subject up, climate change. Mm. It's freaky. Portland, Seattle have had copious amounts of rain uh, already. Major flooding in Washington state. And here in, well, in the San Francisco Bay Area, we're worried about El Nino, a very wet winter, probably lies ahead. I'm not talking the farmer's almanac. I'm talking science, Frank. So, yeah, the weather is weird all over the place. And uh, as far as the Northeast is concerned, it's kind of interesting because in the last two winters, Frank, 
I don't think New York City has had a major snowstorm. So that's kind of another quirky thing going on. So, well, the, yeah, and that's, it's been, you know, that's the thing ahead. that a lot of New Yorkers have been wondering about. Last year, my uh, my son got a, a sled for his birthday. He didn't use it once because there was no snow. Are we going to get to use that sled this year? Well, I would hope so. The law of averages would say so. But everything is, is so weird that it, it wouldn't shock me. But I think the, the probability of that happening, uh, the law of averages, come on, the normal snowfall for, for Manhattan, for instance, is about 35 inches of snow. So it, it's inevitable. I'd say the probability of, of your son and so on getting to sled, et cetera, is at least 80 or 90 percent, you know. But the weather has been so strange the last two or three years. And, you know, this has nothing to do with politics. I think climate change is the real deal. Look at the glacier melt that's happening up in Alaska. Look at the, the melting that's going on in Greenland. And, and how about this past summer when the ocean temperature down uh, off the uh, Key Largo, Florida, hit 101 degrees in the ocean? How weird is that? So, <laughs> Very strange things have been happening, Frank. Oh, clearly. Uh, we're going to get back to your calls in a minute. 800-848-9222. Any other sort of noteworthy or uh, offbeat weather in store this week that uh, anywhere around the country that people should be up to date on, Lloyd? Well, I think the biggest concern is up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, there was real serious flooding east of Seattle back on Thursday and Friday, and unfortunately, it's going to happen again today and tomorrow uh, just in the Puget Sound area, just to the east of Seattle. And uh, also, also, this is noteworthy, it's really going to get cold in Nashville. Now, think of all the people that have no power down there. The latest I heard, there's still 10,000 without power. So Nashville, Music City, USA, is going below freezing this morning and again Tuesday morning. And so, and also, very cold temperatures are moving into Big D, Dallas, Fort Worth, and the Texas Panhandle. They're dropping into the 20s after an incredibly hot summer and a, a mild fall. So, Yep, the weather is topsy-turvy for sure, Frank. No question about it. Uh, Lloyd, it is always a treat to talk with you. Uh, congratulations, by the way. I think this is the first time we've spoken since your induction into the uh, Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. And uh, for all the great work that you've done in New York on stations like Channel 9, you should absolutely be in every New York area broadcasting Hall of Fame as well. Well, it's very sweet of you and kind of you to say that. Yes, it was an honor to get into the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. Put in 16 years at KGO Radio San Francisco, and that was a, a real thrill. Frank, it's always a pleasure. I'm at your call. Anytime you, you need the, the real deal, I'm here to help you out. I love being on with you, Frank. Keep up the fabulous work the other side of midnight. All right. Uh, thank you, the great Lloyd Lindsay Young. If you want to give us a call, you can um, give me a call at 800-848-9222. That's uh, 800-848-9222. Uh, by the way, a couple of interesting things. One. I just got an SMS text message here from one of our great listeners who writes, if you find yourself agreeing with Al Gore on anything, your wet feet might be affecting your judgment. That's kind of funny. Two, uh, another person says that um, it was probably in reviewing the video of John F. Kerry's purported flatulence, 
People are saying that it might not have been him. They're saying if you look at the other guy's reaction, the guy next to Kerry, he looks down in shame. So you can kind of judge for yourself whether he's looking down in shame because he's embarrassed or because he's just embarrassed that it happened, even if he wasn't necessarily responsible. I'm not trying to pin the blame on Kerry if, you know, I mean, again, blame. I mean, it's a, a human function that we all deal with, right? I mean, it happens to everybody, right? All right, 800-848-9222. We'll take your calls in a moment. Three open lines if you want to comment. 800-848-9222, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. We've already said... Unfortunately, uh, we got the news over the weekend that uh, Denny Lane, who uh, was part of an early incarnation of the Moody Blues, great singer, great songwriter, great guitarist, he uh, passed away at the age of 79. He also then became the number two guy, the sideman for Paul McCartney in Wings. So it was, um, you know, sad to see him go. You know, 79 is not that old. You know, they. The closer I get to 79, the more I'm determined to not see 79 as uh, as old as at all. All right. Well, big news in the uh, Morano household. We are currently housing, in addition to the cat Prissy that we have, an additional cat. Now, let me give you the backstory here. My... Um, my mother-in-law lives all the way out, all the way out east uh, in the land of our affiliate, WLIR, Talk Radio 1071. And she, you know, she's kind of a semi-cat person. They have a cat. They have a cat. But my sister-in-law, Sarah, who lives with my mother-in-law, obviously. Well, not obviously. I mean, you never know where, where people are in different stages in life. She basically took this stray cat that she used to feed under her wings, took her to the veterinarian, uh, took her to get groomed, took took care of her, and then basically started uh, having her in the house. The She loves this cat, and the original name of this cat, as given to her by my sister-in-law, Sarah, was be, um, My Best Friend. That was the name of the cat, My Bex, Best Friend. So she brings the cat into the house, and then all of a sudden, 
I don't know, the cat did something she didn't l- like. I think she maybe tried to swat at her or something along those lines. And Sarah demotes her and changes the cat's name to ex-best friend. And that's what they call her, ex-best friend. She actually, I'm not joking, she took her to the veterinarian, or him, excuse me. She took him to the veterinarian with that name, ex-best friend. So, obviously, we had two cats pass away recently, Bathsheba and Melchizedek. And we do get the sense that our remaining cat, Prissy, is quite lonely. So my mother-in-law wants to get rid of this cat. Sarah is very attached to the cat. She wants to make sure the cat has a good home. And uh, my wife says, well, look, Prissy is lonely and we're set up to take care of multiple cats. Why don't we have the cat over and we'll see how it works out. So at this point, we were out on Long Island, that part of Long Island, on Saturday for uh, kind of that that side of the family's holiday celebration. Everybody gets together. So the plan was, after we finished at my sister-in-law Sharon's house, to swing by my mother-in-law, pick up ex-best friend, bring him home with us, and if things go well between him and Prissy, we would adopt him. He would become our second cat. So... We go through this party on Saturday. Great party. Uh, my sister-in-law, Sharon, is a great cook. She made latkes. She made all sorts of stuff. She made brisket that people were raving about, uh, sweet potatoes, carrots, so really quite a menu and, uh, you know, nice nice selection of wine and whatever else people wanted to drink. It was a really nice nice event on Saturday. So you're not going to – my wife has eight siblings. You're not going to get a gift for all eight of your siblings, or in my case, your siblings-in-law, right? So what they've decided to do, and I think it's a good sign. I think it's a good system, rather. They do kind of a, a white elephant secret Santa. Are you familiar with white elephant? And we, if you, you know, we call it Mystery Moses slash secret Santa since it was taking place during Hanukkah. So <clears throat> basically the way it works is, you bring a generic gift, you put it in the pot, and then when it's your turn, you draw numbers, you can pick out a gift that has not been opened, or you can trade for someone that has already uh, that already has a gift. So I brought a, a really cool gift. It was a portable fireplace. That was my contribution. My wife brought a great gift called, um, it was a scalp massager, but it also had a back scratcher with it. That's a nice gift. So we're going along, and person after person, and this is the mistake. You know, they always there's always a debate that do you have to open the gift first before you make your judgment of whether you want to trade, or do you have to make the decision if you want to trade first? I like that everybody gets to open a gift, right? So I like that uh, everyone gets to open and then you can make the decision to trade. But other people like it the other way. Usually it's whoever's house you're at. They kind of make the house rules fine. So I got a good number. I think I was number nine out of 12 people present. Right around there, nine or 10. No, no, I might have been 10 or I don't know. I was late in the game. But person after person is just going. They're picking out a gift and they're opening it. And honestly, most of the gifts were pretty lame. They were, I mean, not lame. I mean, the, the, there was a lot of snacks, a lot of candy. There was one that was really fun that my wife got and Carmine just loved, and she ended up being able to go home with it. A real basketball and a real football and a dartboard. We gave the dartboard to someone who wouldn't 
poke their eye out, but, we, you know, we took the basketball and the football home, which he really loved. He's been playing with it all weekend. So in any event, we're um, going through this. Nobody's trading. So I said, let me start a little bit of a, a trend here. And let me take the scalp massager when it's my turn. Because I do like, you know, the idea of a scalp massager. I've never really tried it, but I like the idea. And so I stole the scalp massager from my mother-in-law. And you know what? I'm glad I did. Because not only did I want the scalp massager, but I wanted people to start. It was almost like I was the one that broke the ice. They were waiting for someone to be the first person to trade. And it was me. Happy to do it. So... I'm talking with my, uh, I, I get the scalp massager. The plan is to pick up ex-best friend after the party, take him home with us, along with Carmine. That's the plan. So I'm, I'm making conversation with my brother-in-law, Jared. Jared, great guy. And he is the only one of my siblings-in-law that has not been to our house once. We've invited him for Carmine's first birthday, Carmine's second birthday, uh, Never been over once. Not only that, but the last three residences that my wife has had, including one prior to this with me, Jared has not been to any of her three residences. And, you know, he doesn't drive, so we're making conversation. I said, Jared, oh, how's how's everything going? How's work going? He says, well, I'm actually on vacation this week. Oh, you're on vacation? I said, well, maybe you make the trip out to say hello to us and visit us for the first time. He says, uh, well, yeah, you know, I don't really want to take, when he lists all the mass transit options, I don't want to take six hours of mass transit just to see you guys. I said, hey, what's stopping you from coming home with us tonight? So Jared can't think of an excuse quick enough to as to why he's not going to come over. He's had a couple of glasses of wine at this point. And he says, nothing. I'll come by. When you go pick up ex-best friend, I'll go and grab a couple of clothes. He does that. And so we drive home with a cat that was not at all happy to be in the car and in a cat carrier. She's meowing the whole time. We drive home with a very tired boy at his bedtime, okay? And we drive home with my brother Jared, my brother-in-law Jared who's had, you know, a couple of drinks. My wife's driving, I'm in the passenger seat. My plan is just to sleep the whole time. My hope is that Carmine will sleep the whole time. It ended up being about a three-hour drive, roughly. This cat is meowing and meowing and meowing, and he played a role, the cat did, in waking up my son Carmine. Well, you know, Jared doesn't have any children, so he's not that experienced with how to handle children in this respect. So he sees Carmine's awake now, Meanwhile, Rachel and I would have said nothing and hoped that he went back to sleep. And Jared starts having a conversation as loud as can be. And forget about it. Any chance of Carmine going to sleep, gone with Jared's very loud conversating. So the whole rest of this two and a half hour to three hour car ride, you had a meowing cat a crying Carmine, and a talking Jared. This was this was the kind of car ride where my wife says, you know, I think maybe we take a break from driving out here for a while. It's 
it's just too much. Uh, I, I think she deserved a medal after this uh, car ride. But Jared's over now, I, and, you know, hopefully he has a uh, a good experience, and maybe next decade he will visit us once again. But my wife wants to change the name of this cat. She doesn't like ex-best friend. My view is you can't just um, change the name of a cat. This cat has been being called either best friend or ex-best friend for a while now. And I don't think you should, the cat's about a year old. I don't think you can just change the cat's name. So I said to her, I'm going to call it ex-best friend no matter what. No matter what. So um, that's that's kind of where we are. My wife says, well, what about if we choose a name that's like ex-best friend? I said, I'm still calling him ex-best friend. So that started a little bit of an argument between between the two of us. But that's where we are now. In our house now, we have a, a boy that has just had a rough weekend in terms of sleep. We have uh, a brother-in-law who is you know, sleeping on the day bed in my office. And we have a new cat by the name of uh, ex-best friend, which my wife was very careful with how she was going to introduce these two cats. And she had a whole plan. Her plan was to keep... This cat locked in her office until Prissy can come down, and she was going to do a whole introduction. Well, when Carmine and I got up Saturday morning, or Sunday morning, excuse me, unbeknownst to us, Jared had already let out ex-best friend out of my wife's office, and it created quite a kerfuffle. They interacted, and uh, needless to say, it, uh, it didn't go well. So my wife is actively trying to restore order. We'll see how that goes. But... There you go. Second cat is ex-best friend. Uh, all right. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Joe in New Jersey. Hello, Joe. How you doing, Frank? Frank, in regards to John Kerry, guy's such a hypocrite. Wasn't he undermining the Trump administration with Iran the last two years of his uh, presidency? And now... How many millions of barrels of, of, of oil they, they pump in a day? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, Iran, you know, Iran basically is, uh, like a lot of those countries, is one of the key culprits in increasing right. dependence on uh, on oil and fossil fuels. Now, one other thing, if I, if I may, yeah. with the weather, look, I'm 69 years old. So the area I live in, over the, over the past Six, I'll say 60 years, the, the, what they call progress, I call it the deforestation of the area. We've had more flooding, and, and actually, we've actually had tornadoes in this area. Don't they think that that has a lot to do with the climate change as well? Well, I mean, look, I'm, I don't pretend to be an expert, Joe, but I, I'm working on putting another one of these climate change debates together. Uh, the problem was, last time I tried to do this, nobody on the other side, meaning the the climate change side, wanted to debate a skeptic, um, either because they weren't available logistically or schedule-wise, mm-hmm. or because they were saying that, oh, I'm not going to debate facts. But I found that to be so silly and so counterproductive to their argument. I mean, I'm happy if there's something I believe in to debate anybody that's on that issue, on the other side of the issue. And my final point, if you don't mind, 
the, when Ted Cruz was banging heads with Christopher Ray over the, the, the phone thing and that where both the hunter and his father were that night, night of the call that he made to the Chinese guy, how come they don't go to the Secret Service to coordinate to see if they were together? At the same place, same time. Yeah, I, I can't speak to that, Joe, but we are going to focus on that next hour. Let me tell you what's coming up next hour. We have assembled a brilliant legal panel of three former attorneys. They've all been guests on the program before who also happen to be convicted felons. All three of these gentlemen have been incarcerated and all three of these gentlemen at some point in their careers were uh, very prominent attorneys. So we're going to get into the latest with the Hunter Biden situation. We're going to get in the latest with the uh, Donald Trump situation. And a few issues related to prison safety and prison security. Because a lot of people are very skeptical about this Derek Chauvin thing. A lot of people suspect that um, maybe, and again, the fact that he was an FBI informant previously, the fellow that stabbed Chauvin in prison, a lot of people raising questions about that. Was this, you know, was this somehow part of the plan by someone? We're going to get into it. All right. 800-848-9222. Mary is in New Jersey. Hi, Mary. Hi, Frank. I have a suggestion for uh, the cat's new name. Okay. That you might like. It's Esteban, like the name E-S, I don't know, T-A-B-A-N. Esteban, I like that. I like that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that was no, the oh, um, That was the name of the, the captain of the Grissom in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. So I like the Star oh, Trek reference there. I will, uh, I'll raise that with my wife. I'll see, maybe that's, a, maybe that's a compromise that we can settle upon. That would be great, because I thought the three syllables, and it sounds right. sound enough to the cat, like a uh, name he's used to. Right. Esteban, ex-best friend. That's I like that. That's good, Mary. Yeah, I, I mean, you that, so you're a strong candidate for Listener of the Week this week. That's pretty good. I like that a lot. 800-848-9222. Tony is in Florida. Hello, Tony. Hello, Frank. Um. I wanted to tell you about six months ago, we adopted a five-year-old cat from the shelter. The family couldn't keep him any longer. I don't know why, but he was really traumatized by being dropped off there and then going to a new home. I didn't catch his name, so we named him Felix, and he took his name right away. Uh, We didn't have any problems at all. Within, I don't know, three or four days, he was answering to Felix. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that's, you know, look, thank you, Tony. My wife certainly has a lot more experience with cats than I do, right? So ultimately, as she also does the bulk of the work in taking care of these cats. So ultimately, it it will be her decision. But, you know, I live there and I I just don't like the, the changing of pets' names. This person or this cat, this feline, has been known as ex best friend for the entire life, the entire span of life that they've been interacting with humans, except for the brief tenure that they were just plain old my best friend. And now to change it, I don't know. Seems a little, seems a little unfair. The cat, but maybe that Esteban is a uh, is a fair compromise. Um, Sandra is in New Jersey. Hi, Sandra. Oh, good evening. Good morning. <laughs> I'm not used to staying up so late. But, you know, Frank, I enjoyed your story about your brother-in-law and the cat. Now, with the brother-in-law, I'm very impressed with you because most people don't pursue the 
other side of the family to come over to stay over. So I'm, I admire you for that, that you wanted your wife's brother to come and be there because usually you get jealous when, when the other side is liked. I don't know. That's just what I think. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate that, Sandra. But no, I, I'm not jealous at all. It's a, it's a great family. Uh, I, I get yeah, along really wonderful. well with all my uh, all my in-laws. But I, I, I always, I did enjoy teasing uh, Jared that, you know, he's the only one, including, I have one brother-in-law <laughs> that lives in California that had been over many more times than Jared has. <laughs> right. And, you know, right. I, I, you know, I did enjoy, you know, kind of busting his chops about that. But I said to my neighbors and, um, and some other people in the neighborhood, this is the text that I sent to my neighbors. I said, we're en route home with Rachel's brother, Jared. I know what you're saying. Rachel has a brother, Jared. Yes, he's the lone one of Rachel's siblings who has not been to our home. Even the one who lives in California has been over. This is Rachel's third residence on uh, Staten Island and the first time that he's visited any of her residences to say that this is a rare occurrence is to put it mildly this is the equivalent of Haley's comet appearing if you're around uh, tomorrow afternoon please drop by and say hi this may be your last chance to meet Jared unless Rachel gets married again so um, oh, I th- that's so funny. yeah so we're having fun so it's, it's all good thank you Sandra appreciate that 800-848-9222 we'll continue with your calls in a moment there are one two three four open lines if you care to comment this is the other side of midnight straight ahead the other side of midnight it's the other side of midnight with frank morano This is a birthday bumper music selection from a gentleman who's a frequent caller to this program, Joel from Manhattan. Happy birthday, Joel. Glad you're ringing it in with a little Fleetwood Mac. Hopefully all of your birthday wishes come true today and always. Well, I'm not sure when his birthday is, but something tells me that a lot of wishes just came true for Shohei Otani. Uh, if, If you're not familiar with baseball... You should really know the name Shohei Otani. I'm not familiar with hockey, but I know who Wayne Gretzky is. Okay, Shohei Otani is uh, a Japanese uh, Japanese player that plays in the major leagues now. I believe he is clearly the best player in baseball, clearly, and I believe that uh, there's a very good chance that at the end of his career, he will be the best baseball player to have ever played. 
in the major leagues. The only person who maybe gives him a run for his money is Babe Ruth. Now, why? Because Otani, and now it's very difficult to compare players from different eras. Uh, Babe Ruth started in the dead ball era. He also played in an era with no designated hitter. And uh, it's, you know, this, it's not an apples to apples comparison by any stretch. And I'm not going to fall into the trap of comparing uh, Shohei and the Babe as I've done before. Anyway, uh, Otani is not only one of the best pitchers in baseball although he did have some uh, surgery that's going to keep him probably from pitching next year. But he's one of the best hitters in baseball. It's one of the reasons that he won his second MVP award last year. Only 29 years old, he was a free agent. And I was hoping that the New York Metropolitans, my favorite baseball team, would sign him. I'm sure the Orioles fans were hoping that he'd go there. I'm sure the Cardinals fans were hoping that he would pay, play there. It does seem like he had a fondness for the West Coast and wanted to stay on the West Coast, either with the Angels of Anaheim or one of the other West Coast teams. Well, we got the word on Saturday. He has agreed to terms with a team that's already a very good team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. You ready for this? Have you heard what he's getting paid? He is getting paid $700 million over 10 years. That's just in salary. That doesn't include the 20 to $30 million a year he's probably going to make in endorsements both in America and in Japan and who knows whatever other country. This is incredible. He put out a statement Uh, saying, to all Dodgers fans, I pledge to always do what's best for the team and always continue to give it my all to be the best version of myself. Until the last day of my playing career, I want to continue to strive forward, not only for the Dodgers, but for the baseball world. So this is a historic contract. This is, there's not a contract in the history of sports that surpasses this. This is believed to be the largest contract in worldwide sports history, surpassing soccer superstar Lionel Messi's $674 million deal with the Barcelona Football Club. It also surpasses the $679 million that Kylian Mbappe would earn if he opts to stay with his with uh, PSG through 2025. In terms of the history of North American team sports, this is just extraordinary. We've never seen anything like this. This exceeds Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes' 10-year, $450 million extension. And in baseball, it surpasses uh, Otani's former teammate, Mike Trout, who agreed to a 12-year, $426.5 million extension. Folks said that was crazy. How can anyone ever earn $426 million? There is no precedent for this kind of money in the history of baseball. You know what I say? I say good for him. Good for him. You know why? I, I think it was Tom Likas that I always used to say. We all get paid what we're worth. We do. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But the only reason the Dodgers are paying him this kind of money is because they believe this is going to not only fill the ballpark, not only allowed them to uh, secure much more lucrative television and radio broadcasting deals, 
but make probably a billion dollars worth of merchandise. You are going to see kids all over Japan wearing Dodgers Shohei Otani jerseys. I am so curious to see if he stays healthy. If he stays healthy, not only will he be the best played player, best paid player in history, but he's going to break every record that there is, both offensively and very likely as a pitcher. If he stays healthy, that's the caveat. Now, it's always a gamble when you when you get a uh, player like this because, and look, as a Met fan, we've seen this happen again and again, because if they get hurt early on in their contract deal, they're guaranteed that money and they're not necessarily guaranteed to perform at the level that they were expected to perform at when you signed them. But I think it's, um, you know, I don't like to get, uh, I don't like to be a, a groupie for incredibly well-paid athletes. But this is very exciting. I mean, I think what you're seeing, anyone that's alive right now, people are going to ask you 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, what was it like to watch Shohei Otani play? He's one of these once-in-a-generation players. He really is. So I say, um, while I think these salaries have gotten a little out of control, honestly, and a lot of that gets passed on to us, the fans, in terms of higher ticket prices... I say good for him. I can't help but admire this. He spent his whole life perfecting his craft, and now he's very close to being a billionaire because of it. Until next hour, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.